themselves and 360 the world. Jamie Neal, the host, asked many questions about their mindset and how they fundamentally operate their world and the world around them. Here at 360 Yourself, we are very proud and honoured to be partnered with General Assembly. We embrace this with open arms to a new adventure. General Assembly is a global tech education company focused on the most in-demand areas today. So that's anything from UX, digital marketing, coding, data science, data analytics, to travel writing and ethics. Our slash their main goal is to get you where you want to be. You can find out more about them at ga.co online or across all socials at ga underscore London. We also encourage you to please rate and comment about us on Apple Podcasts. If you do enjoy what we bring to your ears, we'd love to hear about it. Hey, how are you doing? Hello, I'm not too bad. How are you? Very, very well, thank you. It is a Wednesday morning. And what I always love to ask um, anyone that comes on the show is where are you in the moment right now? Where where are you? I am currently in Charlotte House, which is extremely busy. Um, but taking a day away from working in the office um, and came here for breakfast. And then, yeah, just going to perch here for a little bit. Okay. So East London. East London. So what is your go-to breakfast at Soho House then? Because mine, mine is quite specific. I have a quite specific breakfast order. But what was yours? Usually, what do I usually get? Do you know what? I haven't had breakfast here for a while. Either I like the vegan. This is really bad. And I feel like so many vegans are going to come for me. But I like the vegan breakfast with um, a non-vegan sausage. Right. <laughs> because I think it's a better breakfast. Um, or, I mean, to be fair, I usually try and come around lunchtime because then I can just eat mashed potato and yeah. the new mash here with the gravy is insane and I kind of just as long as you put it as as long as you I don't know as long as like 12 o'clock it's mm-hmm. technically lunchtime. Mm-hmm. so if I can just hold out until that moment I will pick the mash as the first choice oh my god yes because <laughs> I love carbs I do I love carbs I be I went on a, a keto diet a couple of weeks ago oh it's actually a couple of months ago now and I struggled so badly because I love, I mean, I like Italian food. I like Spanish food. And so not having carbs in my life is, was, was. Dead. Yeah. My partner did it. And it was, it, I just feel like, I just, yeah. I was like, what is left for you to eat out of the really great thing? This is the thing on, on day three, I said to my friends on day three, I literally cried in the restaurant. I actually had a moment I was, <laughs> because I could, because I was so hungry. Sometimes it is like that. I was, I was so hungry and I couldn't figure out what to have. Like I, there wasn't anything on, on the menu for me. Cause I was like, I don't really like sort of like, 
the crazy vegetables dishes that sometimes are on the menu like i like i don't know like i like steak and chips or <laughs> whatever yeah, it is so this is the thing there's no options yeah yeah so basically so yeah so i i totally understand and i also love the the mac and cheese at shoreditch house that is like oh my god so good if i'm if so i'm good i shouldn't really have house. dairy but yeah, if I'm outside the farmhouse, I always order the mac and cheese and sit outside because I'm just like, that is literally my idea of like just tranquil perfection and relaxation. Yes, yes, agreed, agreed, agreed. Um, I know, I know, but we're actually, Soho House is not sponsoring this this podcast, so we should slightly move on from, from the love of Soho House. <laughs> Um, they should do. Um, but thank you again for coming on 360 yourself. I'm, I, I personally am a massive fan of yours. Um, obviously recently you had the collaboration with es magazine with the nft digital thing which obviously i want to talk about and talk about how that came about but first of all i want to go back like way way back what how did how do you get to where you are now like what is your upbringing how did you because you're so most multifaceted in terms of your skill set i mean you do so many different things but they're all joined into one so i'm fascinated how that kind of happens so I grew up in like a part of, so I guess when I like really had like an introduction to both myself um, in like a gender context, as well as myself in like a career prospects. Um, Cause I think the poetry and sort of like gender activism kind of found itself all from the same place. Um, but I was, yeah, I was in South, I was, I was about, when I first started writing, I was probably about, 12 13 and um i was i was in south london i was in um, a school called harris academy south london which had just been reformed from an all-boys school uh which was failing in some way whatever like a failing school means but um failing and and, and they took it over so my year was the only year of mixed and above me was all boys um which in so many ways was perfect and i yeah, I realized there was a lot of them were like into like doing these like cipher rap cipher battles in the playground. And um, everyone kind of, it was kind of like the cool kids were always in that space or like the popular kids were always in that space. And I kind of like dabbled in it. And then I realized that I could write, but what I wanted to write was maybe a little bit more um, abstract than, than what was around me at the time. This was kind of like, the grime before grime turned into drill era mm. um and yeah and I just kind of then suddenly was introduced to like the romantics mm -hmm. um which completely kind of like changed my perspective on like writing and really made me understand like metaphors and similes and non-explicit language and like imagery and how to build imagery and these two kind of like juxtaposing spaces coming together like learning about that in the classroom and then going outside into the playground and, and stepping into that completely different world I guess is the closest way to explaining like how I arrived at my stylized text mm. um, because it was very much and then on top of that there was kind of the, the level of wanting to find non-explicit ways to talk about myself and my gender or my narrative or my history or my lineage and not feeling like there was words that I knew or words I had access to at the time um, that I could then kind of like draw from. Um, and I realized that when now looking back in reflection, I think 
a huge part of finding poetry was finding ways to not have like because poetry is like a very like non-binary world where like there isn't like a wrong or right there isn't really like a structural form that everything has to go by especially in like slam and spoken word poetry so suddenly I was open to this place of like no limitations and I could talk about things with no limitations and no conditions and how I had to talk about them um and then I went to uh I went to go and do my foundation after like A-levels and stuff. Um, and I that was kind of at the point that I really stepped into myself openly. Um, I guess like the idea of like having a new start and going to a new place and also being like being like constituted and considered as, as an adult. I think that was like a huge part of being able to say, okay, well now I'm at this age where I do have agency about and uh, one of the things that I want to have complete control and agency over is how I identify and and who I want to be. Um, and then and then yeah, it kind of like I used to run this event um, in this like cellar of a pub in in Earl's Court, and we could draw like 10, 10 to fifteen people there. Probably ten of those being our friends, five of them being members of the public. Um, and it was kind of like a space where I just trained myself into being able to perform. And then one day someone saw it and was like, oh, you should come and invite me into the space um, to do, I guess, like a po poetry recital and like a little panel. And then from there, it just kind of like very quickly became my career. And at that point, I was in retail. I was juggling, like being in and out of the creative sphere. Um, I was like part of a collective that was based in London and I was based in Leeds at this point. So there was like a lot of, there was just a lot of parts of my life that I guess were leading. I don't, I didn't realize, but what were leading to this place of being in London, being myself and myself for the first time in my own city. Um, and then also having this newfound love for not necessarily a newfound love for language because I think I always had that but a newfound love for the power that it, it gave me um, in using it as a tool or a medium um, both personally and in my career and then and then the, the rest of it's quite a blur to be fair and then it was suddenly just like it kind of just took off and people were really resonating with what I was doing and then yeah we arrive at like projects like Louis Vuitton and Evening Standard and front covers and and writing for Vogue and and all of these things which I'm still I guess in some ways processing um it's still like a humbling moment to just be like I haven't I don't think I've sat down and like listed or counted or taken like a real moment to to see those achievements because it is such like a fast-paced world but I think yeah maybe by the end of the year I'll have like a moment of reflection um and I can actually formulate something that sounds cohesive about that crazy experience because it is still something I guess I can't even point to words yeah because it feels like it's sort of like clicked together like all this mm -hmm. bastards and your in quotation your in quotations brand or image it, it yeah. feels like it's just all came together and it obviously everyone obviously knows that who people who are in the industry it doesn't just click together. There's so much process and work and and manifestation and journey that comes. At things don't. We don't just arrive. Obviously, there's a back journey. 
But it's just incredible yeah. being like the first black trans model to walk for like Louis Vuitton and like being and in that Cavanaugh Pride campaign. And people see these big things, but they might not necessarily know where you came from and where you're going and, and where you're on at now because they just see these big accolades. And that's it, exactly. And 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 there is like a difficulty with navigating that. Like there's so many people who say to me, like, oh, you know, like yeah, like, like you're the Louis Vuitton model, you're the Fenty model, and they kind of like, um, I guess like put me into like one, one, one accolade or one project that I've worked on, and it is really difficult because I think for so long you you're nameless and you're faceless, and you're working probably at a rate that you didn't that you never work at ever again, and then yeah, you become a face or you become a voice or you become something, and and I guess people don't necessarily know who you were before that and they don't know how you arrive and I think now especially with social media and and I don't know this idea of like instant fame I guess we can call it um there is like an obsession with working out like how it happened overnight and I think it's quite I mean I find it funny I'm like of course none of this would happen overnight and of course this is like it, it takes forever to arrive here but I think also understand the generation that I live amongst or within at the fact that a lot of things do happen overnight and even though it was like a quick turnover it's still nice to like let people into like their life before because I think that's it does feel very much like a life before and I think it yes that's that's why in a lot of my work or most of my work nearly all of my work is about nostalgia in some way um unless it's explicitly about like transness or gender or blackness but most of it has like undercurrents of nostalgia. And I think there is like a huge part of me that is constantly, I always say like I'm constantly trying to turn the hands back and not necessarily because I had an awful upbringing or, or anything like that. Yeah, it was difficult, but I think because there is this, yeah, there is this rawness about where I came from and this grittiness about where I grew up that I don't ever want to lose. And I want to make sure that I am kind of like representative of my past and not just, I don't know, a face that appears in the present and 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 kind of is is linked to nothing or nowhere or no one. Um, because I think it's I think it's also important for people, like everything that I do is about representation and creating mirrors and 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 being something for someone. And I think it's really important for kids who who come from like South Norwood or Croydon where like everyone makes like memes about how awful it is and how like nobody's ever going to get out and I think it's important that there are stories about people that have successes and still and still are in love with where they came from and don't have to reject it. Why is that why is that the stereotype of of not being able to get out of Croydon and all these other places? I don't know I think South London I mean South London has a bad rep I am like the most biased person ever because I feel most patriotic about South London, not even about the UK, just about South London. But um, I think because I think because it is a very heavily um, working class area, I think that there's like I mean I watched it growing up. There were so many services and youth centres and and all of these things that were closed and or or taken away there's like no resources there so there is and like I don't know like knife crime is high there and all of these things that I guess people forget is is just like kids that don't have outlets and kids that don't have 
hopes for the future. Mm. Um, and yeah, people just have like a an opinion of Croydon that is, I don't know, in some ways it is reflective of Croydon because Croydon is like, it was, it, I mean, yeah, there were moments growing up where I was like, oh my God, I can see why people say this stuff. But also, I don't know, there's a power in anything. And I think especially in these disprivileged areas, it's actually usually where like the, the, the best things come out of it. Mm. I mean, me, Stormzy, we both went to the same school. Oh, did you? Section boys. Yeah, there's actually quite a lot of people like from my school. Actually, I like, there's not that many people. There's probably maybe five of us that I guess have like become some kind of like public figures or whatever. But um. But yeah, I don't know. I like it. Like, and I also like being from somewhere that people see as a bit of the underdog. Oh, for sure. for sure. Because also it makes you wanna and wish you wanna like, prove it in some way. Yeah. But you're also shaped by your past as well. I think that's important as well. To always remember because obviously they say yeah, like exactly. your foundation. And it is, and this is why I'm like so like I guess in my work, like so much of it is about like South London or like there's names of people or there's names of roads or there's things like when I did like the, the oyster card, um, I did like an oyster card poem um, for a project called Don't Zap the Zip, uh, Don't Zip the Zap, um, which was about um, under 16 year olds still having free travel. Um, and the whole poem was literally about me growing up in in this area and like getting on the bus and the bus being like the only place that could like I don't know you can look at things from a different perspective because I think looking at looking at South North High Street as you walk down it and looking at South North High Street as you're on the top deck of a bus is like a completely different experience and I think both both experiences are something that we should honor um so yeah I don't know I'm very protective of where I grew up I don't know why but yeah it's it's a nice it's yeah it's a nice feeling to have did you did you ever imagine going into fashion and modeling though I mean that's it's it's so brilliant that now I was only talking to someone you recent uh, recently about how fashion has totally changed and art has totally changed and culture has totally changed in terms of it's now about not looking great it's about who are you as a person and yeah. that being your selling yeah. point and then you look at the way that you look yeah, because I, I like first started modeling when I was presenting as like as still femme or female as a girl um, when I was super young. Um, and it was, yeah, I mean, it was completely different then. It was like very much about like weight and like your thigh gap and like how tall you were. And suddenly, yeah, it was like, yeah, all of that problematic time. And then suddenly... I kind of like re-entered it. It was also really nice to re-enter it as like myself reintroducing myself. Um, and also, yeah, this idea of like the fact that like I get books, I get books. I- I'm sure an element of me getting booked is, is the way I look. And I think people like the way I look. Um, and like maybe that's, maybe that's, maybe that's an aesthetical thing or maybe that's about like how I carry myself or whatever. Um, but also, I guess I understand that now it's more, yeah, it's more important to, to stand for something and to be a voice of something. And I think it's so nice. Like so many people say, you know, like how does like poetry and modeling like come together? Because obviously they are like polar opposite worlds. But I think as a whole, when you, I don't know when you realize that like you can have a face and a voice. I think that's like a real moment in which you get to like unlock some kind of like 
powerful position of yourself. Yeah. Because I think so many people choose one or the other. Like either you're an activist or you're a model. Yeah. And and no one kind of like encourages you to be both, I think is important. And that's why I say things like visibility activists, because sometimes I will say something or do something to disrupt the space. And sometimes just the act of me being there is disrupting the space. So there's this idea of like, choosing when I want to use my voice and choosing when I want to use myself and my myself as an image um and that's like yeah I mean that's like a very a very new thing um and and I'm very grateful that the fashion industry has kind of like lent itself in this direction Mm. and and you're 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 certainly changing and shaping the way that society seeing fashion and design and also giving a voice to uh, to people who might not see people like yourself in these amazing positions that you are as well and also the the poems and the and the message that you're giving is such a brilliant thing especially for the, what we're doing now in this, in this moment thank you so much i hope so <laughs> yeah, I, I I think it's amazing, and because was with with ES magazine, uh, there was a, there was a, a poem aspect as well as the image as well. Was that correct? Yeah, yeah, there was. Um, so there was an extract from a wider um, a wider piece that I have. I guess it's like it's like between like a poem and just like a train of thought. Um, and actually, I might release the whole thing soon because. It's, it's basically about Halloween and how, like, I don't know, so many people say, like, things, like, for example, when, when we did the, the Calvin Klein campaign, the backlash of that was really, really awful. Um, and I had, like, a lot of, like, messages and, I don't know, people saying, you know, you're lost and you're a threat to children and, like, all of this, like, weird stuff. Um, yeah. Which, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you kind of expect it because... Like, the only reason that that image is probably as important as it is, I mean, it's incredible and it's beautiful and Campbell is an, is, is, is an amazing uh, visionary. But, like, the reason it's important is because of the radical nature of the existence. So I guess you have to be kind of, like, not necessarily... You don't need to be accepting, because I'm not accepting, but I expect there to be a backlash because I guess that's kind of the reason in which we are creating these these images because they aren't the mainstream and I think it's so easy like sometimes I get caught up in forgetting that like outside my bulk my bubble um it's like a completely different world but like with that we had like all of this kind of like yeah this like backlash and and and, and all of this stuff and like people have like a lot of questions whether whether it's like malicious intent or not but there's definitely a part of it where you also, it brings into perspective like the power of what you're doing and kind of like when we think about representation, like what representation and visibility does as like a global thing and then what it does as a personal thing, because obviously they act like almost like polar opposites. Like the more visible, I guess like the more visible I am, the more violence, or like abuse you receive in some way so it's definitely about like finding ways to like to like yeah work out what what it is and also like working out sometimes if you have the the capacity to be that because sometimes it is I don't know 
difficult to be like representative for people whilst also being the thing that you're being a representative for, I guess, and existing in, in that space. Um, I was going somewhere with this point, but I don't know where I was going with it. Um, my, but my my next my next question, it, you might you might be able to kind of answer. So obviously, we've seen like Facebook, who have plowed money into like the metaverse, and so many people might know what the metaverse is, which is basically sort of like Sims slash Matrix. Yeah. So we're yeah. now sort of entering into this space within fashion and art with NFTs. So it's sort of like going off from the ES magazine. But in terms of like, I've always said, to, I, w- I went to a talk um, and it was talking about avatars and like, and I said, well, why does your avatar need to look like you? Like what happens, like when people play video games? Oh, this is what we were talking about, Halloween, right? Yes, you've, you've, you've led me back on the path. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, inter- it's interesting to see like what is identity when we go into the metaverse and what do I feel yeah. I represent as a person exactly. in, the world, in the digital world? Exactly, and this is what okay. So this is what I was talking about. So when I um, I had this piece, so the, the the sound the soundtrack behind that you hear the poem, the mm. poetic kind of like um, uh, writing is is about Halloween, and and that it's the only time in which we like encourage one another to like live as somebody else, and like live as like a character, or live as like a fantasy, or live in like a utopia that we create. And I think for me, I find that so bizarre because I think so much of like my living my surviving and my work and myself and my thoughts all comes from this idea of like of like being multiple versions of something and I think people get so tied into to wanting to be like one one thing and wanting to be I, I think maybe because humans have this this idea of like we have this obsession with being like understood um and and I guess in understanding us we people give us validation. So we're validated by the understanding. And I think when you break apart a binary of any sort, like gender, gender, as I broke apart that binary and realized that like there were no rules and there was there was no set of things I had to do and there was no checklist. And like, even though people and society makes you feel like there is that like in actual, like in actuality, there isn't like, there's just like a said thing that we have to do. And once I kind of found humor in that, and kind of, I don't know, like, it's just, it's just funny, like, gender to me, like, for so many years was something I was so painful and, and, and made me feel so misunderstood. And now I'm kind of like, well, I've already disrupted, like, a gender binary. So, like, what other things can I disrupt? And this idea of, like, living as, like, multiple characters is also something, I don't know, people assume that that means that you don't know who you are you're not true to yourself and I think the most true to yourself thing that you can do the most radical act of self-care and self-love which is like the buzzword of the century is the fact that actually like being able to be so many versions of yourself that you don't limit yourself to one forever I think that is the that is for me that is self-care and that is self-love and that is like actually really knowing who I am knowing that like I don't I don't need to adhere to one thing. And like, if I'm thin, like people say, you know, I don't know how you like go between the both. And I'm like, well, it's not really going between the both. Like, this is me as you're seeing me in my natural state. And sometimes you'll see me play a character or a fragment of myself or like a realized version of myself or an exaggerated version of myself. And they're like elements of me, but like 
they are characters in some way. They are, they are, they, they there is this element of like avatar to it. Yeah, it, it, I do feel like in some way, I it's it's like Sims. Like it's literally like okay, cool. Like today I can be this, and like I don't need to feel guilty or shameful or like or or, or, or like I have to make that palatable for other people because it doesn't really affect anyone else as well. It's like. It's just something that I like doing. Um, yeah. And I've, and, I've always, I've yeah. always seen this as well, but like with like, you are like, you know, like in, in the simplest, I mean, we are very complex creatures, but like in the most simplest form, one day I might feel I want to wear like a hoodie with some jeans and I'll feel like mm-hmm. a certain type of myself. And the next yep. day I'll want a, a shirt with a jacket on and I'll feel another type of identity for that day. Exactly. So I think that what you're saying is absolutely right in terms of like, we are just flexible creatures as inhabiting different parts of us every single day. But it, mm-hmm. it comes from one place, but it's split into different things. And I, and I think as we potentially move more into the metaverse of our sort of digital self, I think people, because obviously at this moment in time, I believe that, in different platforms you can't have the sort of same avatar that drifts from one place to another place it's, it's mm-hmm. sort of individual but mm-hmm. eventually i think it would be one avatar potentially but at this moment in time i think it will open the the doors for most people who feel like they are set in their their, their physical identity but i think as they jump into mm-hmm. the metaverse i think they'll start questioning their own identity because they'll have so many different mm-hmm. types of avatars and they'll mm-hmm. have, they'll start questioning go what if that's what i if it if this is if in this platform I feel like this avatar and in that platform I feel like that avatar, does that actually mean that that's different parts of my personality in the physical world? And exactly. then we start questioning that. Yeah. And also like we all assimilate. I think assimilation is something that we talk about so much with like queer folk or trans folk specifically, I guess, because like our assimilation is more about like safety and like being read as something that we are, which, so like not really red, but just being seen. Um, but I think that, that, yeah, that people forget that like everyone assimilates at some point and like everyone has these, these versions of themselves that know, like, I don't know, like every, this is a bit of a, a wayward one, but like, I don't know, every, every meme about Gemini's is the fact that Gemini's have so many personalities as this like negative thing (laughs) you're a Gemini okay fab I love Gemini's I'm a Pisces Aries cusp so like you guys fascinate me because I'm just like you live in this main character fantasy at all times yeah I I think it's amazing um (laughs) but also this idea you know how everyone like says it as if it's like a really awful thing and I and I said to someone recently I was like but why is it really bad to have multiple personalities like in some ways like what means that you can't commit to it and I was like but he said that we have to commit to one like it's this idea that I think we have as we head towards adulthood which is all about like committing to one thing even like I don't know you see in fashion like people will say like my mom's friends will say for example like oh you know I can't wear that like women of a certain age don't wear that and it's like oh, but yeah. why like yeah why because someone said so or like I don't know like some of my friends who are maybe like super hetero cis, um, like young black guys, like the idea of them wearing like a t-shirt that's a little bit short or like a, a, a trouser that's a little tighter or like a, or, or, or a material that's a little bit more fluid and, and flowing. Like it's something that they just feel like there's no access to. And like, it just isn't, there isn't space for them. And that for me, that doesn't make sense because for me, fashion has been the way 
enclosed have been the way that I have always been able to make a space for myself. Like today, I'm wearing like Timberlands, like these heron Preston, like super, super, super big gathered pants, a hoodie and an Abrex jacket. And then, I don't know, and that's like, that's because I, I like wearing that, but I also know that there's an allowance that if I wanted to tonight, go home and change into like a shell dress and go out like that, I also have access, but that's, yes, it's a societal and environmental thing, but it's also like a, a lot of work on being able with myself to be able to realize that like, there are, there are endless possibilities for most things. And like, usually, usually the only limitation that truly is there outside of safety and stuff like that is yourself. And, and sometimes it's fear and sometimes it's danger and, and the two are not the same. And yeah. I think, yeah, I think it's just, it's just so fun to have fun with it. I think that like everything is so serious and like, I don't think that gender should be serious. I don't think expression should be serious or labeled. I think it should be just like fun. It should be. Like I just try and sense a fun in it at all times. Yeah, there's a quote that Jim Carrey says, uh, and I love it. He can't contain the container. <laughs> and it's exactly, it, it's basically like we are our own, our own containers. And, es- and essentially, why should we not be able to play and have flexibility on what we wear and who we are as people? Because it, essentially, someone decided that that was a thing. But that's, but it's, it's like, exactly. it's that whole thing about like, if someone ran a marathon in under two hours, whatever it was, um, why can't someone else do it? And it's the idea that if someone says, yep. this is where we do it, well, why did that person, who get the right for that person? If someone else comes along and says, well, actually, mm-hmm. I do it that way, well, why not? Because <laughs> someone else just decided. Exactly. And where did it, what was it based on? And, and you can talk, and you can talk about, about religion and about fashion like it probably was like a few people at the top of the food chain years ago that just decided you know what blue's in and then everyone started doing exactly blue. but why why is blue in because then it's so, so and this is like blue. such like an important part of my I, I guess like I'm a questioner like I like questioning everything when I was a kid I would always be like but why but why but why but why yeah, too. but that is it because like you reach a point where like you realize that there isn't a why actually and it is just like so yeah it's just set and it's just like normality and it's just like comfortability and for me I just said I said like I I'm just uncomfortable being uncomfortable and that's it like I don't like the feeling of being uncomfortable so I'll do everything in my nature in order to make my life as comfortable as possible I know the world won't do that so I and if that's me sliding up and down the gender binary or if that's me writing a poem or that's me I don't know going out and dancing until five o'clock in the morning in a hot and sweaty club then like all of these elements are important and like you said earlier this like multi-hyphenated thing is important to me because like, I think, again, like, especially in the creative industry, people, like, want to box you into one thing. Like, you have to be a designer. You have to be a model. You have to be... And 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 all of that comes from labeling. All comes yeah. from, like, someone else being able to understand you or someone else being able to digest what you do or who you are. And, um, and I like people not being able to digest it. I think, like, 
there's a part of me that's hard to swallow. And I think I think that's important because it also makes people look inwardly at themselves. And this is why I think that like queerness and transness is so important in the fashion industry, not only for representation, but also because I think there's so much that the queer community can, can teach the head, head like heterosis world. And I think like, you know, like pronouns are for everyone and like being able to, I don't know, just like, I would love, I would just love to see like cis, straight, heteronormative men being able to have the same freedom as we do in the fashion world, like in, in the wider world. And I think that only comes from image and that only comes from representation. And I think, yeah, I just, I sometimes I, I, I almost pity people who are, who are living in, in, in such like a regimented space because I think you don't realize liberation, true liberation until you step away from it. Mm, it's so true, so true. So my, so my, my, my last thing, so as, I, as we sort of ran up the podcast, what I always love to do, because I mean, I, we, I, mean I, I think I could talk to you but for this for hours. Um, yeah, <laughs> me too. Because <laughs> I find it's all very, fa- I mean, I, I've been on a tangent recently about um, exploring par- parallel universes and how like even now I'm sitting here, but there's about maybe 10 different versions of myself in different capacities. Mm-hmm. capacities. One is, might be a president, one might be a fireman or whatever it is. Right. One might be a, like, and so I'm fascinated by that and dimensions of, of, uh, of, uh, of um, like the fifth dimension or fourth dimension or whatever it is. And so I'm oh fascinated. I, I've been on a, on a hunt and listening to loads of different um, podcasts and stuff about parallel dimensions because I find it absolutely fascinating. Um, but yeah, so I, I could talk about, to you about this for, for a long time. But my, my final question is um, give back. If you could give back to anyone listening or even your younger self, what would you give back? I think there's like a few things. Um, I guess like in terms of to my younger self, I'd love to give back time. I think that it's, I think when I was younger, I had the, I had this idea of like, um, like we all do of like wanting to rush through something. And as I've got older, I've really started to be grateful for time um, and also time to think. I think when you're younger, you feel yourself or you're kind of forced to feel yourself with so many like stimulating activities that it's really difficult to find stillness. And I think in stillness is how you really find yourself. So for me, that was really, really important. Um, I also, there's like, I always say, um, like I do this, this, this workshop with some kids um, about like uh, abstracting gender and, and calling your gender outside of the name that you know it to be. So like we get them to identify their gender as like a color, a sound, a location, and like a song or a lyric. Um, because it gets people to talk outside of that. Um, and I did it myself recently um, as like an example. And I realized that like a lot of what I talk about and a lot of the ways I talk about and the metaphors that I use all come from like the imagery that I was first introduced to, which was the first imagery that I saw of myself. Um, and there were like a few films and documentaries, one of them called The Aggressives. Um, which is actually, a, so it's, it's kind of like a very wholesome 360 uh, circle. So the aggressors was the first thing that I saw that really allowed me to free myself. And I would probably 
I would probably give it enough of a props to say like the reason the reason I came out and stepped into like the trans masculine identity it, with with the confidence I did was from seeing myself for the first time on the aggressives um and it follows um six um at the time a lot of them were afabs or assigned female but um people but they're all like very gender fluid and the whole point is that they are the aggressives like in how they dress in their attitude and also the fact that they were like butch dykes um that were kind of like yeah and it was just their narrative um and that film changed my life and now they're doing like a a 10-year sort of like follow-up and it's so crazy because the main one of the main characters in it who I really really found like a mirror in now me and him like chat on Instagram and he's like I think what you're doing is amazing and I'm like but I wouldn't even do what I do if it wasn't for you because like I didn't even know who I was until I saw you and I didn't even understand my pain until I saw yours and I was like I think that's such an important thing and now I think we're hopefully trying to work on um, me like having some involvement in the new documentary, which is like 10 years old. Um, so that, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I literally wished I could give everybody just like, I wish I could sit everybody in one room in the world and just make them watch that. Um, and also, I guess like the main thing that I'm trying to give back and in all times is just like, a mirror and like I'm just trying to be the mirror that I didn't have and I think for my younger self it's a really important moment to recognize things like evening standard which like I'd pick up on my way into central London from like my mom's house in Selhurst and like now I'm on the front cover of it, it as myself and like truly as myself and people are celebrating that and people are being freed from that like so many people like have a resonance with my work one person recently told me like my work is like how they came out to their parents and I don't know I think yeah I think if I could if I could always be given back that and if I can always be giving children a bit more of a future and if I can be giving people a mirror and I can be giving myself a mirror that I needed then I'm doing an okay job well you're doing, more, you're doing more than okay so yeah <laughs> you're doing very 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 well um and, Thank I, you so and well. I love those values that you that you sit on and making sure that you're uh, achieving those and giving that sort of that representation and making people see you for who you are and making people able to look up to you and go they're doing all right <laughs> thank you thank you so uh, I want to say thank you so much for uh, being on 360 Yourself. Um, it's been incredible to have you on. Uh, you have been 360'd. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you so much for having me um, on this incredible platform. And let me speak my truth. This is 360 Yourself and I'm Jamie Neal. Thank you very much for taking a moment to listen to our wonderful guests. Please subscribe to our podcast to access all our brilliant guest episodes. They are released every Sunday at 12pm. We are available on all listening platforms, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Overcast, Google Podcasts and Castro. You can also find us on Instagram at 360 underscore yourself, Twitter at yourself360 and our host at Jamie Neil JN. Thank you for listening.